and 17 will be our passage. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. In verse 17, in connection with that, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. These verses have many cross-references in your New Testament. Hold Colossians 3. Look with me at Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. This is the match meet to Colossians 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 5 and verse number 19, beginning in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And here's the, here's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Here's a manifestation of being filled with the Spirit. If you are filled with the Spirit, then here is what you will do, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We're not teaching on music this morning, but you'll recall not long ago the study we did on the Bible and congregational uh, singing. The Bible instructs us to gather together and as we're together to sing these songs of praise to God. And it's not only an expression of our heart's gratitude and, and thankfulness, um, it, is, it also has a teaching and admonishing ministry. There is encouragement that we receive from the songs of the faith. And so very important that we have the right kind of music in our homes very important we have the right kind of music in our lives. But this morning I'd like to attach verse 16 to verse 17 of Colossians 3, which again said, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let's trace that thought quickly. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, a verse that you probably know. Great cross-reference to Colossians 3.17. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse number 31, the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat, which is a blessing. How many of you did lots of that these past few days? Whether therefore ye eat or drink, that's necessary. Or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So from Revelation 4.11, we, we learn the purpose of our existence, right? Why did God create us? He created us for his pleasure. We are alive on the earth to please and to glorify God. And according to 1 Corinthians 10.31, that applies to the very most basic tasks that we perform on a day-to-day -day basis that, that, encompass, that encompasses our entire lives. We, we cannot compartmentalize. I always have a hard time saying that word. We can't, we, we, we can't separate our spiritual life and then our other life. The Bible says, are you eating? Do that to glorify God. Are you drinking? Do that to glorify God. Are you breathing? Do that to glorify God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He is to be at the very center of everything that we do. That's what the Bible says. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17. Look at Colossians chapter 1. 
Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Colossians 1 and verse number 15, the Bible says, Speaking of Christ, to shed his blood for our redemption, verse 14, and delivered us from the power of darkness, verse 13. Verse 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of every creature? So, uh, Jesus Christ, he was the, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was God manifest in the flesh. You can't see God, and so Jesus Christ took on a body of human flesh to to reveal God to us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature that in no way indicates that he was created. He has the highest place of honor and authority and power. He is the firstborn in verse 15. Verse 16 says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. By him and for him. Do all to the glory of God. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? He's our creator and he, Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe every aspect of my life ought to be surrendered to the will of God for the honor of God and the glory of God. Jesus Christ ought to be central to every part of my life and existence. That's Colossians 3, 17, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Colossians 1, 16, a couple more. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy 2, 19. The Bible says this, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. In Antioch, in Acts chapter 11, uh, the followers of Jesus were called Christians. And those of us who are saved, we, we take upon ourselves that same name. We name the name of Jesus Christ. We are called Christians, but that ought to be reflected. If we name the name of Christ, then depart from iniquity. Because the name of Christ is Jesus, and Jesus came to save us from our sins. And so our life ought to be characterized by a departure from sin, so that the name of Christ is not Blasphemed, we are to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Philippians 4 and verse 13. <clears throat> the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. So here's what we have in summary, there in your outline, we are to do everything for the glory of Jesus Christ and through the power of Jesus Christ. We are to do everything for the glory of Jesus Christ and through the power of Jesus Christ. What serve you do? In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I am I am dependent upon him for the help and the strength 
the enabling to do what is right and what pleases God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And the reason we rely upon that strength and appropriate that strength and the reason we're trying to, we're trying to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might is so that we can honor and glorify and praise and thank the, the one who has saved us from our sins. So everything in our lives, word, deed, eat, drink, whatsoever ye do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think I think too oftentimes we have a church life and a home life, a church life and a school life, a church life and a everyday life. But we ought to just have a Jesus life. Whatsoever you do, in word or deed, let's let, let let us be mindful of Him. Not only on Sunday, not only on Thursday night, not only when we come to Bible school class, but let's. Let's wake up and ask ourselves, what can I do for the Lord today? Let's go throughout the week and ask ourselves, how would Christ have me to behave and to speak and to, and to choose and to decide and to entertain myself and to spend my time? It's, is Jesus a consideration in your everyday life? That's what Colossians 3 is getting at. Now, now connect these two passages together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and then verse 17, and whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. What, what's the connection? How can we attach these two uh, verses and thoughts and concepts together? Well, the question is, if, if, if the purpose of our life is to glorify God and the only way to glorify God is to live in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how can we learn to do that? How can we learn what it is that glorifies God? How can we learn what it is that pleases God? How can we, how can we be encouraged and enabled and motivated and inspired to pursue that course with our lives? How can we learn to, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? How can we appropriate that strength and enabling to, to live a life that pleases God? The only way to do that is to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and in all wisdom. The only way to live my life for Jesus Christ is to attach my life to the word of God. I can't rely upon my own ideas and opinions of what pleases God. I got to find out what God said pleases him. Right? I can't just muster up the the motivation and the 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 courage to pursue that course of action in my life. That is something that takes place in a supernatural way and that supernatural power comes from God's word, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, the only way for verse 17 to be true in my life is if verse 16 is true in my life. Does that make sense? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom. Richly. This is not a casual approach to the Bible. This is, this is immersing ourselves in God's word. This is saturating your mind and heart. This is, this is overflowing abundance of scripture in your life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and in all wisdom. So 
based on these two verses, what we're going to study together this morning is what the Bible says about reading the Bible. It's a lesson, a message on Bible reading. And it's an important topic. It's one we review frequently, but one that is worthy of repeated attention. Um, It's timely. It's a good time of year to talk about the importance of reading God's Word as we're staring down a new year and the uh, resolutions and the goals that come along with that. I want to show you from the Bible that, that, that we need to read God's Word and make it a daily habit and practice in our lives and, uh, and, and some thoughts that go along with that. And again, I think we mentioned this in the lesson last week, it is so important that you establish this practice now at this stage in your life. If, if you will learn to incorporate Bible reading and Bible study and just, just make it a daily part of your life now, that'll serve you so, so well. So we're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 17. We've got the references listed there in your outline on the back of the bulletin, Deuteronomy 17. You're familiar with this passage in verse number 14, Deuteronomy 17 and verse number 14. God is giving instructions to the nation of Israel that will apply to their future. He said in verse 14, Deuteronomy 17, when thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shalt say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. So God uh, exercises some foreknowledge here. He sees in the future and knows that they are going to desire uh, to have a king. And that takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And it's for exactly the reason that God said it would happen in Deuteronomy 17, 14. And so God is going to give them some instructions as to how they should select that king, and then how that king should conduct himself, some things that he should not do. He should not multiply wives, verse 16. He shouldn't go to Egypt for horses, verse uh, number 17. And then verse 18, it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them. Now come with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. So the king of Israel was commanded in the law to handwrite his own copy of the word of God. Now this was not all 66 books. This was the first five books. But he was to handwrite his own copy, and it it was to be with him. He was to keep it on his person, and he was to read it every day of his life. And the reason was that he could learn to fear the Lord, and so that he could keep the words of the law and the statutes. It would help him stay humble. It would fill his life and the nation with God's blessing. And so this instruction very clearly laid out. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 5 the Bible says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, verse 6, and hath made us. Are you washed in the blood? Are you saved? This morning, hath made us who are saved and washed in the blood, kings and priests, unto God and his Father, and him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We are kings 
and priests unto God, Revelation 1, verse 6. Now, we use that passage to make application to the instruction in the book of Proverbs about it not being for kings to drink wine. Wine is for those that are ready to perish, and God's loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. I'm not perishing. I don't need that. I'm a king. I'm supposed to stay away from that. I want to make the same application this morning. The instruction given kings in Deuteronomy 17 to have God's word with you and to read God's word every day of your life. If a king was supposed to do that in Deuteronomy 17 and Revelation 1 says that I am a king, then I, I feel validated in making application of Deuteronomy 17 to our lives as Christians. Now there's nothing in the Bible that says that you need to handwrite your own copy of the Word of God. Thankfully, you can uh, go online or go to a bookstore and you can purchase one that's already been printed, but you ought to keep it with you. It ought to be a daily part of your life. You ought to read therein every day so you can learn to fear the Lord and keep His Word and stay humble. One of the best ways to maintain a humble spirit, one of the best ways to learn to obey the Lord is just to make Bible reading a daily practice and a daily habit. That's what kings were supposed to do. And the Bible says that we are kings. Look at Isaiah 34. Isaiah 34, we are commanded in the Bible to read the Bible. Outside of that application we just made, Isaiah 34, a couple more direct commandments. Isaiah 34 and verse number 16. Isaiah 34 and verse 16. Seek ye out the book of the Lord. Now, thankfully, this morning, we don't have to seek very far. We don't have to look very hard. We don't have to put a lot of effort into the search. Looking around this morning, everybody at least has the opportunity to have a Bible with them today. Right? So, seek ye out the book of the Lord. Have one. And read. And read. Now, it doesn't just say have a copy. It doesn't just say own one. It's not going to do you a whole lot of good just to go to the bookstore and buy a Bible so you can have a Bible if you're not going to read it. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. No one of what? God's words. It always happens just like he said it would. He always keeps his promises. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate from my mouth that hath commanded it. Spirit, it hath gathered them. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. God commanded you, God commanded me to read his words. 1 Timothy 4.13. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 13. Instruction from the Apostle Paul. to a young man by the name of Timothy, but words inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attendance. That is attention. Focus on this. Make this a priority in your life. Make sure you don't let this slip. Make sure you give this the proper amount of focus and attention. Give attention to reading. To reading. Timothy is the pastor of the church of Ephesus and you can see why it would be so important for one in a place of spiritual leadership and authority to be faithful and consistent in the practice of reading God's word but listen all of us have a sphere of influence all of us have 
um, a, a calling and a ministry. All of us have a reason for our existence. And what we need to learn to do is, is to seek out the book of the Lord and read and give the right amount of attention and priority and place the right amount of importance upon that. Paul is speaking of his coming, but we read this in light of the second coming of Christ. Till he comes, we need to give attendance to reading. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus Christ on the Mount of Temptation, and he quotes the Old Testament three times when the devil comes to tempt him. And look at what he says in Matthew chapter 4. In verse number 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He quotes here from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3, but he makes a very uh, significant point with a very uh, understandable illustration Jesus Christ is comparing his word to to bread, to physical nourishment and sustenance. And this is a great time of year uh, to talk about that illustration because we just practiced a lot of this over the course of the past uh, few days, right? Uh, Food. Now, look, food's a blessing. Food is enjoyable, but food is necessary. You have to eat to sustain physical life. And a lot of people on a lot of different schedules, a lot of different diets or not diets. Some people eat one big meal a day. Some people eat a couple times a day. Some people eat three square meals a day. Some people five to six and snacks in between. But whatever it is, some people choose to, to fast maybe a day, maybe two. But whatever it is, you're eating on a regular, consistent basis because if you don't, you will die at the very most basic level. Now, most of us, we don't eat because if we don't, we'll die. We eat because it's there and it tastes good and it's enjoyable and we like the feeling of having our stomachs full. And we kind of learn to get a little bit past that and enjoy that feeling as well. That's a different topic for a different time. I thought Brother James might tackle it on Wednesday, but he, he backed off. Um, man should not live by bread alone. You have okay, so, so here's the question. Here's the consideration. I'm commanded to read the Bible. Seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Till I come, give it a sense of reading. So, so how often do I need to read the Bible? How often do I need to read the Bible? Well, how often do you need to eat? That is something that is very consistent in your life. That, that might be the most consistent thing in your life. It's right up there with sleep. Pretty much every day. Right? Well, I, I, would, I would take that as the example then. How, how often do I read the Bible? Pretty much every day. You need to read the Bible as many days as you would eat. Job said, remember Job 23, 12, I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food. Somehow, Christians got this idea that they could sustain a walk with God on one sermon every Sunday morning. And it just doesn't work that way. Either they're just really confused or they're not all that concerned about maintaining 
the right kind of walk with God. Right? If as a general rule you need to eat physically every day, then as a general rule you need to eat spiritually every day. Now, here's what I want to lay out for you in the time that we have remaining, which is not much. I want to give you a case for, an argument for, reading the entire Bible in the coming year. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've never done that. I think it's something that you ought to do. I think it's something that every Christian should do. I don't have a Bible verse that says it's something you have to do. There's no Bible verse that says every calendar year you must read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But there are some Bible principles and a lot of things the Bible says that would point to that being a really good idea and a very achievable goal. Okay? So here's, here's the first layer of the argument. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 again says, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of of God. For sake of time, I'll quote to you Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 5, where the Bible says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Every word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So how much of the Bible is important? Jesus said, Matthew 4, 4, every word of God. Holy Spirit said, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is profitable. You need all of it. There's none of it that's not important. There's some that is more enjoyable to read. There are parts that are more interesting. There are parts that, are, that definitely seem to be more practical. But God put it all in here for a reason, and he wants you to read it. And you're going to have to stand before him one day and give account of what you did with your life and how you spent the time that God gave you upon this earth. And you're going to have to answer the question, did you read every word that I wrote? And you need to be prepared to answer that question. The, the first argument for reading the entire Bible in a year is, I think God made it really clear, you need to read every word. You need to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? Not, not just a little bit, not just the, the bare minimum, not just the parts that you like or the parts that you feel like are very relevant to your life. No, every word of God, okay? Look at Proverbs chapter 2. Here's the second layer of the argument, Proverbs chapter 2. verse number one. Proverbs chapter two and verse number one, the Bible says, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for Hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. I mean, just imagine if somebody gave you a 
treasure map of the, the, the property here at church, the 9 or 11 acres or whatever it is, and X marks the spot, and if you follow these directions and if you dig five feet down, you are going to strike gold. Just try to imagine. Use your, use your imagination with me this morning. I mean, like that, that, that just sounds like a, a children's book. That sounds like a story that we'd read to, that we would read to our kids because you don't have any kids. But you know what I'm saying. But, but, but just imagine. I mean, if that were the case, you'd probably be pretty serious about following that map and finding that treasure, right? Uh, you would probably give it some diligent attention and focus and time if 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 there were a prospect for for you to be independently wealthy because you could find this treasure then then you'd put some effort into that wouldn't you you wouldn't just say nah i'm gonna let somebody else do that right okay this is the illustration that God's giving us for seeking wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And at the very most basic level, the, the instruction here is you need to be diligent about it. You need to put some focused effort and attention into this. Um, and, and, and here's what I'm saying by that. First layer of the argument, every word of God. Second layer of the argument you need to be diligent about your approach to letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the sad fact of the matter is that most of the excuses for not reading the entire Bible, most of the excuses for not reading the entire Bible, even in a year's time, boil down to a lack of discipline and a lack of diligence. And just to put it bluntly, a fair share of laziness. Now, why do I say that? Well, because of these statistics. Reading your Bible in a year requires, on average, 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes. 1,189 chapters in the Bible, something like three to four chapters a day, about 12 minutes time. You could start in Genesis 1-1 on January 1st. You could end in Revelation 22-21 on December 31st. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. What are things in your life that you spend 12 minutes on a day? That maybe aren't as important as giving attendance to reading and seeking out the book of the Lord and reading. Americans on average, this, this isn't you, of course, but Americans on average spend two hours a day on social media. Just scrolling. Mindlessly wasting time. And, and that's not two hours like straight. That's not starting at two and stopping at four. That is ten minutes here and fifteen minutes there and twenty minutes the next time and two hours a day. Americans spend an average of Watching videos four hours, I'm assuming this includes TV, movies, whatever else it is, shows, games, four hours. Four hours a day. Our, our neighbor, when we had the hurricane and the, and the power was out, she did not know. She, she did not take phone calls from friends and family 
because she told us, and, and we never see her except for when the power was out and we were outside and got to talk. She, she said, I watch nine shows a day. And I can't talk to anybody because I've got to make sure that I'm not behind because when the power gets back on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be really busy catching up on my nine shows that I watch every day. I guarantee you she does not read her Bible through every year. She needs to be saved. If, if you spent two and a half hours a day reading the Bible, you could finish it in a month. Now that's, that's a lot of reading. That's a lot of time. But all of that just to say, in a year's time, it's not that difficult. You, you can do that. Here's the amount of Bible that has been read by people who claim to be Christians. 10% of people who say they are Christians have never read a word. Never opened the Bible and read it. 10% of Christians. 13% have only ever read a few sentences. 13%. More than 1 out of 10. 30% responded with, they've read several stories and passages. So maybe they opened up and read David and Goliath or Jonah and the Whale or the Crucifixion or the Sermon on the Mount. They've read bits and pieces here and there, several stories and passages. That's pretty much one out of three. That's the extent of the Bible reading they've done in their lives. And they, and they say they're Christians. 15% said at least half. They probably didn't know the New Testament wasn't really half of the Bible. 15% said at least half. 12% said, thank you for laughing at that, babe. 12% said almost all of it. Almost, not quite, almost all of it. 11% said they have read all of it once. 11% all of it once. And 9% all of it more than once. Now, uh, I'm not going to take a survey this morning, but I'm going to ask you to respond internally. How much of the Bible have you read? Which of these boxes would you have to check? None, like the 10%. A few sentences, like the 13%. Several stories and passages, like the 30%. About half, like 15%. Almost everything, like 12 all of it once, like 11%, or all of it more than once, 9%. Here's the frequency of Bible reading amongst Protestant churchgoers. Now, this isn't just people who claim to be Christian. These are people who claim to go to a church that claims to believe the gospel. So we're, we're narrowing this slightly. Frequency of Bible reading among Protestant churchgoers, 12% rarely, if ever. So basically, never. 12%. Once a month, 6%. I wonder how they choose the day. A few times a month, 11%. Once a week, 12%. Like when they go to church Sunday morning and the pastor says, open your Bible. A few times a week, 27%. And 32% claim to read it every day. Now, what about you? What if, what if survey says and you had to Fill it out. Which box would you check? Rarely, if ever? Or would you say once a month? Same day you take a bath? A few times a month? 
once a week, a few times a week, every day. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 1 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. John 15, verse number 3, Jesus said, You need to let my word abide in you. And now you're clean through the word which I have spoken. Joshua 1, chapter number 8, speaks of how we can only have true success through the word of God. Psalm 1, and uh, verse number 1 uh, don't, 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 don't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but meditate in God's word. Day and night, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It'll make your life fruitful. Psalm 119, 18. Open mine eyes, I may behold wondrous things out of thy word. Listen, there's so many blessings and benefits that are going to come from making the Bible a daily part of your life. Let it dwell in you richly. Read it every day. If you'll spend 12 minutes every day, you can read the entire Bible in a year's time. If you've never done that, you need to do that. If you've done it, you need to do it again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because your whole life is supposed to be about Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed, you're supposed to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. What are the 12 minutes in your day that you could carve out and, and, and take away from whatever you're giving them to and give it to Bible reading? I, I promise you, your life would be better for it. Here's just a couple tips as we close this morning. Uh, find a plan, a program. There are literally hundreds available uh, starting in Genesis going through Revelation sequentially little part of the New Testament, little part of the Old Testament every day. Uh, jumps around chronologically by topic. There are so many different ways to do this. Find one that works. Find a plan and follow it. If you don't make a plan, you won't follow a plan. If you're going to make a goal, you've got to map out how I'm going to reach that goal. So find a plan and stick to it. Um, I, would, I would write down every day what you read. Maybe write it before you read it so you're a little bit more obligated to it. I would keep a notebook handy. Keep something to, 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 to jot down. Thoughts or questions or a verse that sticks out. Um, I have found that, that journaling Bible reading time really, really helps me focus on what I'm doing and, uh, and, and, and pay attention. And it's, it's a blessing down the road. So keep a journal. Write something down. Um, we live in the day and age of technology, and that's on in many cases dangerous and hurtful and harmful. Here's, here's a blessing and a benefit. You can turn on your phone, turn on your computer, turn on something, and you can listen to somebody read to you while you follow along in the Bible. That might help you focus and pay attention. Listen to it while you read it. 12 minutes a day. Say, I don't read very fast. Listen to it while you read it. 12 minutes a day. Read the Bible in a year. Don't make excuses for not reading. Don't stress out over the days that you miss. Begin your reading time. End your reading time with prayer. Find the best time for you to read. Maybe it's in the morning. That, that, that's a good Bible principle. 
to start your day with the Lord. Maybe you're not so much of a morning person, and a proverb of the day is a great way to start out. Maybe you got a little bit more focus in the afternoon or at night. Listen, there's, there's, there's nothing in the Bible that says how much you have to read, when you have to read, but the Bible really makes it clear you need to read it and let it dwell in you richly. So figure this out, find what works, and make it a part of your life now and you'll be you'll be so glad that you did and more importantly the lord will be glorified and that's the whole point and objective here father thank you for your word help us dear god to read it hide it in our hearts love it live by it and uh, do all that to glorify and honor you we love you thank you for being so good to us thank you for your great salvation and life more abundant in jesus name amen